baseball life. For 75 years, NCMIC has been doing the right thing for its customers, employees, and the community. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Number two, welcome back. Miller and Con to Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. Bottom of the hour, Scott Dockerman covers the Big Ten West, Iowa, uh, for the Athletic. Uh, he will join us uh, at the bottom of the hour. But right now, as promised, we're going to talk some baseball. Ryan Fagan back with us. We are grateful to have Ryan on the program. Sporting News is where you can read him and all of the uh, fine stable of uh, journalists over there. Ryan, Trent, and Ken, thank you for coming on. How are you? I'm doing well, fellas. How are we doing today? Doing well. So well, let me pose this one to you. It seems like, and maybe I'm wrong, uh, Aaron Boone uh, got to be getting a little nervous as far as uh, his job. And, and likewise in St. Louis with Mike Schilt. I mean, this uh, Cardinals team was three and a half up in the division on the 19th of May. And here they sit today uh, going the other way. Either of those two managers, we get to the all-star break. Might they um, be called in and given their walking papers? I, you know, I mean, I know there are a lot of fans from both teams calling for heads to roll. Uh, I'm I'm not sure that the fault lies entirely with with those two guys. You know, I mean, if you're, if you're talking about Mike Schilt, you know, specifically, I mean, there was a time three weeks ago, you know, he was in line for a long term extension. You know, <laughs> and things have kind of fallen apart. Not kind of fallen apart. Things have completely fallen apart there. But I think when you look at the Cardinals and their issues, you know, they're not really Mike Schilt's fault. You know, I mean, they they did not build any sort of depth in the rotation, you know, and, and that's cost them. They were relying on guys who were unproven or coming off health issues to be a big part of it, and that hasn't worked out. And then when you add in, you know, Jack Flaherty going down, you know, all of a sudden it's a, it's a rotation mm-hmm. that, you know, a lot of guys that aren't getting out of the third inning on a regular basis and, you know, that's not necessarily the the skipper's fault. And, you know, the lineup didn't have a lot of depth. I mean, Paul DeYoung is, you know, they signed him to a longer-term contract a couple of years ago. And, you know, it's been two or three years since he's been that legitimate middle-of-the-lineup guy that they were counting on him being. So, you know, I mean, I think that it's, it's, it's not a fun time in that clubhouse right now and in that fan base, but I don't know that he's there, you know. And with the Yankees, you know, you never really know what's going to happen there. You know, Brian Cashman has been pretty loyal. You know, he's not been a guy who has um, who has pulled the trigger on firing guys immediately. You know, and and Steinbrenner, you know, is not it's not Big George back there right. who's going to fire guys willy nilly. But you know, obviously the the Yankees haven't met expectations. You know, they were the team that were was expected to win a hundred plus games and and roll into the World Series, and you know that's not there. But this is still a pretty talented Yankees lineup if they can get things going you know i mean maybe if they're in the same predicament in august they try something but i would be a little surprised to see boone uh released anytime soon yeah we were kind of laughing back in the day george um, well i don't know if he would have made it back to uh, his house afterwards after <laughs> getting swept at the hands of the red sox it's a different yeah. era probably a better era we know that the manager though plenty of criticism and all forms of baseball Ultimately, guys got to make plays here. So we've talked on the negative side of things. How about the positive? What manager right now have you think, give me a name or two, the best job 
just about the halfway point in baseball, what managers you think have been pushing the right buttons? I, you know, I mean, it, it, the first two names that come to mind are the, the two guys that were let go for the, the stealing scandal, the sign-stealing yeah. scandal. Yeah. You know I mean? A.J. Hinch has done a good job in Detroit. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they had that, that awful start. They were like 9-24, and 24, but I mean, they're like five games over since that time. I mean, that's they, they've got a record that's better than the Yankees over the past 50 some odd days, you know, and the same kind of, same kind of lost totals is, you know, some of the teams that are right in there, the White Sox and and other teams are in the thick of the playoff race. They've been pretty good. You know, they just stood toe to toe with the Astros and the Astros have been playing better than anyone in baseball over the last month, you know, and they went into Detroit, you know, Detroit pitching. They've got some guys, you know, I mean, Casey Mize, Matt Manning has come up and, you know, they've, they've got some, they've, They've got a better team now than I think people realize. So, you know, you have to give Hinch a little bit of credit for that, getting guys to believe in themselves. And, you know, there's talent there. There's no doubt about it. And he's done a good job pushing those buttons. And, you know, Alex Cora for sure. in Boston, you know, this is not, this is not a, a Red Sox team that many people thought would be contending, you know, much, much less at the top of the AL East or right there. And all of a sudden, you know, they're playing good ball and, and here we are and towards the end of June and they're still there sweeping the Yankees doing the things they need to do and you know, I think Alex Score has done a great job. No, I couldn't agree with you more. He's been terrific and uh I, I certainly we, we be going into the season we didn't think Boston was even going to have a pulse. It's the yeah. it's it's the Rays, it's the Yanks, maybe the Jays with all that young talent, but the Red Sox aren't going to threaten and yet uh here here they are. Well, let's go to the uh, National League and let's go to the Cubs who will uh be in Milwaukee to start the week, Cincinnati to finish the week. Cardinals and the Cubs to take us into the All-Star break. I think the Phillies are are uh, sprinkled into the beginning of the week, but nonetheless I, I get, look, the Dodgers are playing really well, and they look like the Dodgers again, and we can't wait to see Dodgers and Giants here starting tonight in a uh, two-game set. But we a couple of weeks ago, Ryan, we were trying to you know, bring some pieces over to the north side of Chicago because yeah. they're clearly going to be in the playoffs. Well, I think this is a pretty telling week. Is this a crossroads, would you say, this week for the Cubs pursuant to 2021? Yeah, I think this whole this whole month has been, you know, I mean, I, I, I wrote about this at the beginning of June. I mean, we're really going to find out what they are because, I mean, the, the truth is the Cubs this offseason were not making moves to contend in 2021. They just weren't. They were making moves that signaled, hey, we're going to we're gonna try to reload a little bit here. We're not going to go full, you know, uh, you know, the way that they did a couple years ago where they lost 100 games every year for multiple years to get picks and get back up to that point. They're not going to do that level. But, you know, I mean, they let Kyle Schwarber walk, you know. Yeah. They didn't want to pay him what was probably going to be about eight and a half to $9 million in arbitration, so they let him go. The Nationals said, hey, we'll take him. They gave him $10 million guaranteed, more than he would have gotten from the Cubs. And you see what Kyle Schwarber's doing. You know, they traded away you Darvish, and you look at what the 2021 Cubs could use, mm. and it's Kyle Schwarber and you Darvish. Right, they just got rid of those two who were under club control or under contract. So you know, I mean, so the question was always, does the Cubs brass believe in this team, right? And if they don't believe in this team, which they did not in November of last year, right? I mean, that's the thing to remember. They didn't believe in this team's ability to compete in the last year for some pretty, you know, from some franchise icons in probably their last year. 
in Bryant and Rizzo and, and Javier Baez. You know, they didn't believe in it then, so now are they going to believe in it? You know, I mean, they still have a lot of issues if they want to be a contender in the long term. And you're right, this is a big week. You know, there's three back, three games behind Milwaukee right now. And, you know, it wasn't that long ago. Well, maybe it was a long time ago, but another Chicago team was pretty close yeah. to uh, to a playoff spot, and they traded away a lot of their guys. Yep. You know, the White Sox get from this white flag on moves a couple, you know, back in the 90s, whenever that was. So, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I We'll see. I, I'm still not convinced that they're going to make moves that's going to supplement the 2021 team because it goes against everything they did in the offseason and it goes against the way that they've been playing late, lately. All right. Uh, with that, the top of the division is Milwaukee. A lot of talent on this team. A one-two punch yeah. at the top of the rotation. As good as anybody. I mean, you see that team in a short series. Mm-hmm. Good luck. That is incredibly yeah. scary. They've already gone out, brought in Willie Adams. They finally bring... Keston Hira back, who was awful at the beginning of the year, has shown a little yeah. bit of pop since he's come back. So what else? Uh, maybe another bet with this team, and, and just how good do you think the Milwaukee Brewers actually are? Well, I mean, I think, again, you know, we talk about the Cubs and what does the front office believe that the, the talent is? What, is, what do they believe it's capable of? Because, I mean, right now, let's be honest, Milwaukee could not make another move right now and win the NL Central by seven or eight games. Yeah. You know, pro- probably, mm-hmm. because you know, if the Cubs decide not go for it, the Cardinals are a mess. You know, the the Reds score a ton of runs, but they give up a ton of runs. You know, that's one of my favorite stats of the year so far. Is there, I mean, I haven't looked at it a couple of days, but they had they had scored like 50 runs more than anyone else in the NL Central and given up 30 <laughs> runs more than anyone else in the NL Central. Right? They're an exciting team to watch, but that's not really a, a formula to get there. So the question with Milwaukee is, what what is the the front office believe this team is capable of? Do they believe it's capable of just winning a division? And if that's the case, then you don't really go out there. But if they think this team can do something in October, if they look at Woodruff and Burns and say, and then Peralta and say, these are the guys that can win us the playoff series if we can score five runs a game instead of three, and then they try to go out and get a bat that adds to that, you know, then then we'll we'll see what what the front office believes about this team over the next couple of weeks and heading into the trade deadline because. You know, they're good enough to win the division right now, and if that's the only goal, you know, which it might be, they would need a couple of bats, a couple of pretty big improvements to get to that point. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, we saw our first pick pitcher ejected for getting caught with the sticky stuff, although he says it wasn't sticky stuff. What do you say, rosin and sweat, I mm-hmm. think, was it? Well, here's the bad news for Hector Santiago. My guess is they're going to test it, and they're going to find out exactly what it was. Uh, Scott Service came out in defense of his pitcher, as you would expect that he would. But what uh, are you surprised that this is the first one that uh, we've caught? And are they doing the right thing in doing this uh, in your mind? Should they have waited for the all-star break or another season to begin uh, two weeks into this experiment or whatever it is. Uh, how's it going with Major League Baseball's crackdown on the sticky stuff? Well, I mean, I think we've talked about this in the past. The timing is horrible, you know, to just randomly on uh, decide that June 21st is the day you're going to do this when most of these pitchers have made, you know, between 10 and 13 starts, and now all of a sudden you're going to, had them change the way they've been throwing this thing that's been legal their entire time in the big league, all of a sudden isn't, oh, yeah, just relearn to pitch, relearn to grip the ball. You know, it's, it's, it's a bit of a disaster. But, you know, I mean, if we can get to the point that there's more contact in baseball, there's more baseballs put in play, 
you know, that's a good thing. And, you know, it, I'm not surprised that there's, there's only been one because, I mean, pitchers know what, what the stakes are, and they know that it's not just about the umpires checking the glove and the hat and the belt, right? There are people watching what they're doing, where they're going to, and, you know, if they have something, let, let's say they have a little sticky stuff in a dark part of their uniform, hmm. and they go to touch that twice in an inning, people are watching, right? So it, it would take a pretty bold pitcher to think that he can get away with it right now. And we'll, we'll see. You know, this is a, a big test because we, we don't know exactly what the protocols are. I mean, do they wait to test the glove, and that's when the suspension is issued? The way it was worded was that an ejection meant immediate 10-game suspension without any sort of appeals process. So we'll see how this works. I think a lot of people in baseball are are just very curious to see how this whole thing plays out. So we have this going on in the middle of the season. I know that rubs people the wrong way. There's always talk of pace of play. What else in baseball? Not happening here in this season, but you can wave your magic wand. You want to help this game and move it forward. What are some of the other things that you look at, Ryan? And if you got Manfred's ear, do you say, hey, you got to work on this? Oh, I mean, if I have a magic wand, the first thing I do is get rid of the magic runners. In mm, really? At least in the 10th and 8th. Mm. You know I mean? The, look, the, the fundamental principle, principle of baseball, the thing that makes it great is it's the batter versus the pitcher. Right? you got to earn your way to first base. You either earn your way to first base mm. Or you get there because the other team messed up, right? There's no magically appearing on second base. It's crazy, you know. And it just it just goes against everything that I mean. It would be no different if they decided to randomly start using like souped up baseballs, like admittedly souped up baseballs with super balls in them. You know, those things that bounce as high as you can. Sure. You know, crazy high. <laughs> it's not baseball if you're starting guys on second base. And if you're going to do that, at least wait till like, the 13th inning, the 12th inning. Mm-hmm. Give us a couple warnings of real baseball. It's just, you know, it's, it, it's entertaining to an extent, sure, but it's a gimmick. It's not baseball. That's what I would do. Secondly, I would put the DH in both leagues. And just, let's, let's, you know, I, I was forever against that. I was mm-hmm. forever against it. Little. But, you know, I, it's time. Let's, let's just do it. Let's, just, yep. let's play with the same rules in both leagues. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more on that one. I like the magic. I, I could I could live with the 11th or the 12th, but it's a divisive topic, no doubt about it. Just one more thing. Did you see the play that Cabrian Hayes made, I think, yesterday yeah. against? My God, there's some really talented third basemen, including one in St. Louis, who threw out uh, uh, Molina trying to leg out a single. That Cabrian Hayes play, that was as good as I've seen in a long time. And we've seen some good ones this year. Arnauto's made a couple of them in one game. But this Hayes, wow. Yeah, that, that was really something. You know, he's a kid that came up and, you know, as he was coming through the Pirates organization, his, you know, the, the primary praises were sung about his, his glove work. You know, this is a future you know, gold glove caliber player over there. We're seeing why, but I think one of the most impressive things about him is how he's hit at the major league level. You know, he's come in there and said, okay, well, I'm not just a glove guy. I am a, a legitimate middle-of-the-lineup hitter for a major league team, and that's really impressive. You know, and let's, let's be honest. If it's anyone other than Yadier sure. running, <laughs> right. you know, he probably tucks that ball in his pocket and says, yeah. you know what, I prevented this potential double. I kept him to a single. It was a great play. Because that's the thing. It was a great play just to get there, yes. just to get the ball, and then to have the presence of mind to know who's running, 
to turn around and throw that ball the way he did. I mean, the launch angle on that thing, you know, I love to be, we can talk about launch angle on a throw. Because <laughs> yeah, it really wasn't right. it was just, you know, he's a guy that's going to be so much fun to watch. And there's you know, whether so it's many of them. For, 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 yeah. I mean, the, 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 the young players in this game, I'm a Jays fan, and I can't get enough of Vladimir Guerrero. And yeah. I'll tell you, Bobachet's better than than I thought he was going to be. This kid's going to be a star. But um, I mean, Wander Franco coming in and, and setting the league on fire, and oh, we can just go around. With San Diego's got a pretty good shortstop in their own right. Game's yeah. in great shape with the young players. Ryan Fagan, SportingNews.com, SportingNews.com. Ryan, thanks for uh, stepping in here today. Always love talking to you. Appreciate it, Ryan. Always enjoy it, fellas. Thanks. Thank you. Good to talk to you, Ryan Fagan from the Sporting News, SportingNews.com. Trent, you got to you got to find that play. I uh, so I it came across yesterday, one of like my score app that I use yeah. to get scores, and once or twice a day there'll be a, like a highlight that comes in, yeah. and it kind of gets to that point where you just kind of swipe past it. Sure. And that one said this might be play of the year. It's crazy. So I tap on it. I'm like, all right, are they overstated? And then you watch it. <laughs> Holy crap! I know. And, and the launch angle on the ball, right? right. As you mentioned on the throw. But and, and Ryan's right. If it's anybody but Ryan uh, or Molina, they're putting it in his pocket. Mm-hmm. But boy, oh boy, what a play. Those kind of, it just, the old Bob Ryan. Yeah. Every day you go to the ballpark, you don't know what you're going to see. It's That's different true. every single day. Yep. And a play like that, mm. that'll make you watch Pirates baseball. Yeah, Kirk Pirates, Pirates Cardinals. Kurt Ferentz's team, indeed. Two teams scuffling, putting yeah. it mildly. I, the May 19th, the Cardinals are three and a half games in front in the division. And they look great. Yes, At that time, they did. They look great. I have a futures ticket on them. Do you? And You also have one of the Royals. Do I need to remind you? <laughs> They're in last place now. <laughs> last place in the Central. They, were, they had the best record in baseball on April the 30th. Can we use that again when we get to late April next year and say, slow down, No, the brakes? It's no fun slowing down. You've got to have the passion. Whether you're right or you're going to have egg all over your face, that's what makes this job so fun. One of the reasons. All right, we will take a timeout. It's about 11.25 on Miller & Condon. Scott Dockerman will join us next. Looking forward to catching up with Doc. Uh, the latest, if there is, uh, on Nebraska, there was some Jamie Pollard buzz early, Trent. Mm-hmm. I never thought, I never bought it. I mean, no. he's still got work to do here. Okay. Why would you get this football team oversee the athletic department whose football team is on the cusp of maybe doing something they've never done right. and you leave now? Timing doesn't work. Right? No shot. Uh, be, I'll be stunned. Miller and Condon, 1460KX at 0106. Yeah. Victory Mounds is your ace when it comes to premium baseball and softball products and services. Utilizing our vast game and industry expertise, we sell portable pitching mounds, field equipment, and field products that we trust, use, and have used when coaching or playing. But that's not all. Victory Mounds Field Consulting Services can help you improve the quality and playability of your field. And our marketing and communication services can help you promote your facility business. Visit VictoryMounds.com to see what Victory Mounds can do do for you and your bull sports. Maybe you're thinking about franchising your business or purchasing a franchise. There's an experienced and trustworthy franchise lawyer right in your backyard. Don't waste your time or money searching for a lawyer out of state when Rush Niggett is here and ready to help your business. Hi, I'm Rush. I've specialized in business and franchise law for the past 25 years. I don't just want to be your lawyer. I want your business to succeed as much as you do. Your business needs Rush. Visit his award-winning blog at RushOnBusiness.com. 
It's good to have Rush on one for podcasting. The Central Iowa Sports Network is your home for year-round coverage of high school athletics in the CIML and the only place to watch Des Moines Menace Soccer. Providing coverage year-round and always streaming for free on YouTube and at CISN.TV. Subscribe to CISN TV on YouTube to stay up to date on upcoming events. Like and follow on Facebook and Twitter at CISN TV or visit their website at CISN.TV. CISN TV, the home for live local for live. Now back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Here's Ken and Trent. On a Monday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. We take you until noon. Our friend Scott Docterman from The Athletic, he joins the program. Doc Trenton, Ken, as always, thank you, sir, for joining us. How are you, Scott? Uh, I can't complain. It's a beautiful day, and uh, here we are still before the 4th of July. So no insane rush to football season. We're just kind of enjoying the time as it passes. Not me. (laughs) Get it behind (laughs) us. Let's go. Uh, No, I am too. Don't get me wrong. Um, So, Doc, let's let's start in Nebraska. So uh, to a little Big Ten West before we get Hawk-centric here. Um, Bill Moose, the announcement, and and this is the second time that I think he's kind of caught his athletic department off guard when he left his last gig where Washington State, right? Um, Didn't let him know, kind of just left. And likewise, seemingly, this one came out of nowhere uh, that he's not going to be there any longer at Nebraska. What's behind this, Doc? Have you heard anything as you've um, you know spoken with people? Yeah, I don't. I think this was uh, kind of a he he was on cruise control or going to be on cruise control for a little bit longer, and they decided the staff decided uh, the the administration wanted to. Uh, a change in direction, so they hastened the the retirement uh, very quickly, um, and so to have it happen kind of as abruptly as it did without mm-hmm. any other announcement other than, hey, Bill Moose is leaving, it, it does suggest that there are some, maybe some differences, and also I, I think uh, by and large, and I don't have the specifics, I do know from talking to people in Nebraska that it's just uh, it seemed like uh, they wanted to go in a different direction, and they probably needed to. So uh, here we are at Nebraska, and uh, there'll be a new athletic director, uh, you know, approaching, what, year four for the Scott Frost era. Mm. So that's uh, the most important thing going on in Nebraska, clearly. Doc, it's our last conversation of June. We got wild speculation. Football's still a little bit away. So let's look at the University of Iowa. Are there any candidates at all that would make sense whenever Gary Barta decides to retire Internal, and move on? Is there guys there? Gene Taylor down at Kansas State, oh. would that be a fit? Crystal ball that one a little bit. The AD job comes open at Iowa. Who would be on that short list? Wow, that's, uh, that's that a left field there. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I see anybody internally that fits that role. Uh, not right now. That. That could change, obviously. There maybe there is someone that I'm overlooking. Um, I, you know, it, it's hard to say. I mean, what's the timetable here? Are we talking a uh, new president coming aboard in a couple of weeks? If it's uh, within a year, I mean, you know, I, I think one strong candidate that has to be at least discussed would be somebody like David Harris. And I think that would be the same case with Iowa State. If 
let's say in a, in a dream world, Jamie Pollard takes the Nebraska job. I would I would suggest David Harris should get an interview there. Um, in, internally, I wouldn't really suggest anybody. Um, I think you know you have to look at somebody you know that has uh, some administration experience. I don't think you just want somebody in there to you know to slap backs uh, unless you've got a, a very strong number two. Sean Frazier from Northern Illinois is somebody that I've kind of eyed over time. Mm-hmm. I think he's a really good candidate. I thought, you know, he was at Wisconsin to some extent. I think he would be at Iowa or Iowa State if that scenario pops up, Trent, that you suggest. So, uh, but I would really have to do, you know, know the, the landscape and who's available before I really uh, centered in on a few candidates. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic is our guest. Well, Doc, let's get to uh, the here and now and um, your piece on, on on Padilla, putting some pressure on Petrus. Certainly got a lot of comments, a lot of feedback, a lot of people thinking about that. Uh, I did get a kick out of the very first comment was, how are they going to keep Deuce Hogan out of the portal? Which I get it when you get to that point, right? You got two quarterbacks that Deuce seem been to have separated. Less than a year. I know it, <laughs> but you that you can transfer freely now, and if it doesn't look as though it's going to break your way, I hope they keep him because a I love the name, <laughs> b I think he's got talent. Uh, but it seems like Padilla or more does it, Doc? Is 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 we we fast forward to August? Is there legitimately a battle? Yeah, I think there is. Now, that said, I think uh, Petrus is still ahead. I think if the season started um, next week on the 4th of July, if it started um, even you know in mid-August, it would be Spencer Petrus. But you've got the whole month of August mm-hmm. to kind of sort this out. And I think that's what this summer and this, this month is going to be like for these two guys is, you know, every day, you know, putting a lot of pressure mentally, physically on them. And seeing how they handle it, and if they, if uh, what Kirk Ferentz said that you know for the final two weeks that Padilla really seemed to soar, and I saw a lot of flashes of things I liked from him. I think he's a pretty accurate quarterback. Uh, he's got an ability to run, um, and uh, so is it a matter of understanding how to get plays in and out of the, the huddle or at the line of scrimmage, audible system, knowing everything. Um, I if that's if it gets pretty even, then I think you've got to go with the best player. Now, as far as Deuce Hogan or Joey Labus or any other quarterback, you know, I, I would be hard pressed to say that all of them are going to stay and finish their career at the University of Iowa. That somebody's going to be emerge as the starter. Somebody's going to say, "Let's look around." That's going to happen everywhere. If it's Deuce Hogan, well, then it's Deuce Hogan. I mean, I think as long as you have somebody good, it doesn't really matter who it is. It's no use playing favorites just on. Uh, names or star status or where they came from. I mean, you know, as long as the best player is playing and it's legitimate, then I wouldn't worry one bit about who stays and who goes. Doc, the other part with Padilla that just has me so intrigued is the legs. And he can move around certainly better than Petrus. Is it overstated, though? You know, how athletic is he back there? You think of some of the best Iowa offenses, though, in the Ferentz era, from Brad Banks to Drew Tate. Ricky Stanzi could move around, even early C.J. Beathard before mm-hmm. the injuries. These guys could all Look move. The play made names. They weren't statuesque back there, and I think that's what you get with Petrus. Just how athletic as a quarterback do you see Padilla? He's probably in that vein of a Brad Banks or a Drew Tate as far as running the ball. He's very quick. Um, is he? You know, he's not Lamar Jackson or <laughs> right. anything. I wouldn't suggest that. But but I do think that. 
one thing that Iowa's quarterbacks haven't done as much, and you kind of hit on that trend, is is they're not necessarily, uh, you know, when it's third and six and everything's breaking down, can they run for a first down? And Stanley could up the middle, um, and he did. He was the best quarterback sneaker I've ever seen, but he couldn't really do much other than that. <laughs> yep. Petrus doesn't have a lot of great, uh, you know, running ability necessarily. And I don't, I don't, I think what in Iowa's offense, if you have good lateral movement and can extend plays and then make them with your arm, that's perfect. But if you can also run and grab a first down every now and then, you know, two to three a game, I think that's that's a, a value that you got to explore. And yeah, I mean, I, again, I don't I don't think we're talking about Michael Vick or anything, but I think we're talking about a guy that, you know, maybe after the second read, if it's not there and the pressure's coming to him, then sure, I think he could probably get a first down. And I think that's really what you want to ask for in Iowa's offense. Nate Stanley could get a first down anytime they wanted to, right? He's, you're right, Doc. Uh, he was absolutely automatic. The other piece that I really enjoyed was, uh, I, I guess I should, um, it should sink in more the potential relationships that these guys have, right? Uh, Desmond King and Phil Parker. Talk about close. King coming back uh, after he'd been gone a while to do a camp at City High. Uh, just glowingly about each other. That's a pretty special relationship between those two. And I'm sure that Desmond King's not the only one uh, that Phil Parker holds very close. No, for sure. Yeah, there are plenty that he recruited that he loves. But Desmond and him have a special relationship. And kind of going off of that it was what uh, you know transpired at that point I mean Desmond King was overlooked uh, a lot of people some people wanted him to play running back uh, he didn't fit that usual hey he's not real long he's not real athletic all those types of uh, tangibles that you look for but he's a great football player and and Phil Parker his relationships in the Detroit area kind of led him to him and and uh, you know he took a chance with with Desmond who's a really a low-level three-star but and then, likewise, Desmond King got a boost to a to a program that really helped him succeed. And I would say, after Bob Sanders, he's probably the most uh, beloved, and maybe, and, and certainly, I think he's the number one most accomplished defensive back Iowa's ever had. So uh, that's uh, that, that's a really interesting look back at, at those guys. And and I did that as with Phil Parker last week as part of a podcast that we just released. Uh, talked about several different aspects of his career, who he's coached, playing for Nick Saban, coaching for Nick Saban, all those types of things. But, uh, yeah, that relationship with Desmond King is special. And for Desmond to come back to Iowa City and hold a camp several years after he left, I mean, shows the affinity that he has for the University of Iowa. Doc, uh, taking a look at your tweet from Friday, Iowa updated their football roster. We get to see the new names, new numbers for the some of the freshmen coming in, and also the weight gains or weight losses for different guys out there. One of my big takeaways was seeing David Davikoff, who showed up for spring practice, a true freshman, as talented offensive tackle prospect as they've had, at least on paper, coming in a long time. Dude had an Ohio State and a Michigan offer, an LSU, yet he chose the Hawkeyes. True freshman playing the offensive line, it doesn't happen often. What do you know about David Coffin? Is he one that has a shot? Yeah, he didn't play much during the spring, so I think that's going to kind of hold him back a little mm-hmm. bit. He's probably got an outside shot of, of sneaking up in August. Uh, he did lose some weight, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, I think a lot of times, uh, you know, athletes, you know, bulk up a lot in high school, and maybe it's not the healthiest weight, or maybe it's just, you know, and then they come to Iowa and they learn. Hey, let's let's focus on streamlining it a little bit and then building it up. And 
And uh, he and, you know, Tyler Andrews was one who lost 15 pounds, you know, locally there from uh, Norwalk. And Josh Volk from Cedar Rapids has also lost some. So I think David Koff and, and Connor Colby probably have the best chance to maybe crack the two deep. Um, it could happen, but I, I'm reluctant to throw a true freshman in there because it's only happened once. And that guy just, oh, by the way, I happened to start the Super Bowl. Right, like, uh, as a as a rookie, so, <laughs> right. uh, but but I do think that they have a chance to compete, potentially get to that second team. I I think uh, a redshirt freshman to really watch is based on Richmond. He, he was well liked, moved into the depth chart last year, and he's got a chance to play right away if if they need him. Good stuff, Scott uh, Doc. Uh, by the way, you guys did a lengthy podcast. You and Morehouse back together again, uh, joined by Rob Howe. How long did you guys go, and where is that, Doc? Is it a Hawkeye Fanatic? Is that what I saw? Yeah, it's Hawkeye Fanatic, which is Rob's. Um, I do a podcast with him every Thursday, and and uh, we asked Mark to join us, and we chatted for probably two and a half hours Jeez. on Hawk Fanatic. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun catching up on a lot of the old horse latitude discussions that Mark and I would get into. So that, that was a lot of fun. Um, and then on my, the, the big football show, which I will do weekly. And in fact, twice a week in the fall for the athletic, uh, this week, we've got, um, Phil Parker for today. And then last week, Matt Fortuna and I discussed the big 10 and the playoff situation. Good stuff. The Athletic, uh, it's a terrific resource. If you're a fan of a sports team, I'm guessing if you're listening to the show you are, you'll in all likelihood find them chronicled there. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Doc, thank you. Enjoy the fourth weekend. We will impose on you next Tuesday. uh, And have a great week, Scott. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. Good to talk to you. Scott Dockerman. Uh, of the athletic that's a long podcast two and a half hours but a lot yeah. of content how morehouse and doc i think of the combined years that they've been on the beat they've seen a lot of football and basketball. A, lot of football. <laughs> a lot of good uh, stories that always come out when those two guys get together and scott's podcast that he does with the other athletic people on the big 10 it's incredibly good it's a must listen for me mm-hmm. uh and i just saw the phil parker interview just came across my feed oh did it you know we don't we don't get a ton of phil parker and just knowing how great the dude is. Mm-hmm. If there's ever an assistant that deserved, quote unquote, the first million dollar contract in our state, yep. I think it's that guy. I, you're not going to get an argument out of me. And, and that's not to say Heacock's not great himself, because no, he is. And, and they're about to make that threshold. Didn't I just see that? Next year, I think. And this year he's making 925000 fine, doing fine. Yeah, that's going to go a long ways in Story County. Without He'll be all doubt. right. Yeah. But I think both but him and Manning break the million dollar barrier they do. next year. I think. It, and but it was funny seeing Cyhawk Twitter turn into a fight. Good, love it. It's just it never ends. That does is it? so good for business. Trend. Can you imagine where we'd be without that, Cyhawk? It's this market. We say it a lot, but we are so lucky. We are, man. Eastern Iowa, it's different. Mm-hmm. It's different. Having two in-state schools that are part of two different conferences on top of it. Which is spectacular. That's incredible, too. Michigan, Michigan State, you're still talking Big Ten, right? Mm, Right. You're still, there's no, you have a whole other conference to Um, talk about. Plus, you're doing Sports Talk Radio in Michigan. Guess what? You're talking about the Lions, and they suck every year. You're talking about the Tigers. They've been good three times in the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. Not here, because we get to talk about all the baseball teams around us, all the football teams, and if one Mm -hmm. of them stink... We don't talk about them. Nope. <laughs> There's a pretty good chance one of the others will be uh, giving us plenty of. We might be market seventy nationally, but 
It's a great market. No, you're preaching to the choir. 11.45. Play of the day coming up next. I got one line I want to read from Phil Steele's magazine when we come back. That Again, um, likelihood this line would have ever been written ever. This is the year. I want to read that. Just that one line when we come back. Miller and Condon, Cyclone Fence. Don't touch the dial. 1460. KXNO 106. Trent Condon here with you. There's two kinds of rental property owners. The do-it-yourself guy and the renter's warehouse guy. You know DIY guy. He insists on handling everything himself, even if it makes him miserable. Renter's warehouse guys are a lot happier because they let my friends at renter's warehouse handle all their property management headaches. Like when a tenant clogs a crapper, DIY guy grabs a plunger, heads over, opens the lid, and nearly passes out. Renner's Warehouse guy, he lets Renner's Warehouse handle it. When tenants are late with rent, DIY guy interrupts his workday to call them, email them, text them, until he's wasted his entire day. While Renner's Warehouse guy lets Renner's Warehouse handle it. And when a tenant has an emergency at 3 in the morning, DIY guy has to roll out of bed and handle it himself. Because when you're a DIY landlord, your tenant's problems are always your problems. Renner's Warehouse guy, he sleeps soundly through the night. When it comes to your property management, let Renner's Warehouse handle it. Get your free rental price analysis at Renner'sWarehouse.com today. That's Renner'sWarehouse.com today or call 515-528-4429. Wolf Roofing has learned a few things over the years. We understand that no one wants their home improvement project to drag on. So at Wolf Roofing, we plan for your project well before we set foot on site. As a result, most projects are done in one day. We also know Quality is important in the big things like a proper installation and in the details like cleaning up well and using magnets to find stray nails. Find us on the web at wolfroofing.net or give us a call 225-88-wolfroofing.net. Trent Condon here for K-Guard, leaf-free gutter system. After wind took down a gutter at my house a few weeks back, I did the research and it pointed one way to K-Guard gutter system. The Manning Brothers are Central Iowa guys that grew up here and take pride in the work that they do. And that certainly showed at my home. Professional installation on most homes in one day. No more worries about clogged gutters. Contact K-Guard Iowa today for a no-cost consultation at 515-795-7069. 795-7069 or online kguardiowa.com Ball lifted into short right field. Going to be a long run out there. Diving attempt. It gets down, and it's going to be extra bases. Making the dig for third. Here comes the throw. Not in time. One of the shortest triples you'll see. Jalen Aginaga showing the speed. You're surely with the call there. I heard that. CISN TV is where you can catch high school baseball. The Des Moines Menace also on the air. All season long. CISN TV, just give them a search on YouTube. Doubleheader of softball coming up tonight at CISN. It will be the Battle of Ankeny, the Jaguars, and the Hawks. Game 1 at 5 o'clock, Game 2 at 7. And then on Wednesday evening, high school baseball, as Valley makes their way over to, well, the team you just heard there, Southeast Poke, to take on the Rams, all at CISN. What have you got tonight? I will be radio only game two of the doubleheader in Waukee as the Warriors will be hosting the Maroons from Dowling Catholic. Top 10 matchup there, mm-hmm. number five, Dowling Catholic, number eight, Waukee. Jackson Wentworth, a stud, a star at Kansas State, and maybe a guy that'll hear his name mm. called here in just a couple of weeks. Uh, more than likely, he'll have the call, the ball in game one. That's what they normally do with him. Uh, but it's also fun going out to Waukee, small ballpark. 
Is it? And there's some nights the wind starts howling out. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. And, and it's going to be a 14-11 final. And then there's the others where it's blowing in. And you get home early. And then it's a 3-2 game. So we'll see what we get tonight. Should be fun. 7 o'clock. Join me right here on KXNO. All right. Good stuff, Trent. Before we get your play of the day, I promised a uh, line from Phil Steele's magazine that Trent and I uh, have in front of us. Again, Trent, you picked this up this morning at Barnes & Noble. Barnes & Noble on University. Right inside the front door. They were on the table. Mm -hmm. uh, And you thought there was about 15 of them left somewhere in that Yeah, right in that range. Yeah, it's the table right when you walk in. Um, I think I saw somewhere on Twitter that usually it was 20 to 25 that were shipped to the different Barnes and Nobles. So about half of them are gone. I would get out there as quick as possible if you were itching for your Phil Steele. Well, and I was, and I've got it in front of me. And here, clone fans, when uh, if you've read Phil Steele's magazine, if not, why not? Um, you should. It's phenomenal if you're a college football fan. He goes through the uh, each conference in the forecast. He picks Oklahoma first. Uh, and normally, when you're flipping through, you got to, you know, you Oklahoma, Texas, okay, Baylor, uh-huh. Oklahoma State, State uh-huh. Oklahoma State. Holy mackerel, where's Iowa State? Well, Iowa State's the second team that you get to when you this year. But here's what he says: his very last line of his forecast. Matt Campbell has done a remarkable job here, and he has made the Cyclones a legitimate national title contender in 2021. Be that what it may. That's how that comes from Phil Steele, who writes the Bible, and he will join Trent and I Friday at 1030 to uh, go over. How, how much time did he is he going to give us, do you know? Uh, usually about 12 minutes is what we get out of him. Maybe we can stretch it to 15. Yeah, certainly 15 minutes worth of uh, content in this magazine. And it's we'll phenomenal. Make, make sure that we hit our break on time that day. Yes, to hit him. Good yes, point. right at 10.30. So Help me out, would you? Yes, 10.23. Let's make sure we hit that break. Uh, we're not going to get your play of the day in here if we don't get it right away. Who do you like or do you like anything tonight? I like the Canadiens, plus 195. You're taking a half? Yes. Game one? I'm taking game one. Game one seems like more funky chances right. of happening there. So I'm going to jump aboard there. Also taking the aforementioned Detroit Tigers. The Tigers. Who do they play? They play Cleveland, who uh, starting the Morgan guy. I saw him pitch against the Twins last week. He sucks. Mm. He is awful. That young Manning dude's up for the mm-hmm. uh, the Tigers. Has been pretty good. Yep. He gets the start here. You get plus money, plus one forty five. We will go with the Tigers. And the Montreal Canadiens, what a combo there. <laughs> really. Saw a picture for the Dodgers that got my attention. A reliever, long blonde hair, kind of looks like Thor. Remember did Bickford's his name? Yeah. He closed last night. Well, it wasn't a safe situation. But I saw him pitching a couple of games. Boy, Dodgers got another one there. Shocker, Our, huh? Yeah, really. Uh, Murph and Andy, hour and five minutes. The Fanatics at three. Uh, Tuesday starts as it always does local programming-wise. A morning rush at 6 a.m. We're Miller and Condon. Weekdays 10 to noon on 1460 and 106.3 FM.